Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. We are so grateful that you are here. Now, uh, listen, before we get dive into the message, I want to do a shameless plug for my men's Bible study that meets this Wednesday morning at Cracker Barrel. We call it Men at the Barrel, and it's every second and fourth Wednesday um, in the month, and uh, guys, it's this Wednesday, and we encourage you to come out 6.30 a.m. at the Cracker Barrel in Sevierville. Hey, listen, men, I heard it said this way, if you men don't come out for this Bible study, who's going to put the stud in Bible study, right? And so I encourage you to come out and to be a part. And how cool was it this week? Um, I had a friend who posted this. Um, we had a little taste of, of dogwood winter. Remember that? You looked over the mountains this past week. and I mean, just so stinking pretty, so stinking beautiful. In fact, I saw a lot of these posts and, and really a meme was circulated around here. It says, winter keeps coming back because my summer body is not ready. Like any of y'all that, here's my favorite, um, talking about winter. When you realize summer is coming and your body has gotten out of control, right? Like we're almost there just so you know, but man, it was so good to, uh, just to see a little bit of winter one last time and hopefully headed to summer. Now, as we go back to our series here, Lord, Sing My Battleship, as I shared with you uh, last week, this is a unique game. Uh, two players have a console, and the whole object of the game is to guess the opposing player's coordinates and to call them out in hopes that you will zero in on coordinates is where they placed their battleships, their little ships. And, and once you've zeroed in, you just keep calling out D4, B5, all those coordinates until ultimately you hear from the opposing player, you sank my battleship. You sank my battleship. And as we answered last week, what does this have to do with the church? Now, as a, as a staff, we've been reading a really good book entitled Gaining by Losing by J.D. Greer. This has been a study we've been in for a couple of months now. And in this book, he discusses three models for the modern church today. Three models of how we do church. There's the cruise ship model we talked about last week. There's the battleship model we're going to talk about this week. And then there's the aircraft carrier model where we're going to begin to look at next week. And so in these series of messages, what we're doing is we're looking at these models of churches in hopes that through scripture that you and I can uncover the, the biblical model of his church. The Christ honoring model, and really his heart and his mission for his church. Now, we talked a little bit about uh, the cruise ship model last week, where really church is all about us. It's centered around us. It caters to us. And at the end of all of that, studying scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4, there was only one recourse left for us. You ready? And we prayed, Lord, sink our cruise ships. Sink the cruise ship mentality in me. And so this week, we look at the battleship model, the battleship mentality for the church and ask, is this the model that we ought to embrace as his church going forth in ministry? And I need to remind you of this because it's so important. But when I talk about the church, it's not a building, but a body. 
Not a program, but a people. Not an organization, but a, an organism made alive in Christ. Say, hear me. If you are in Christ, you, you are the church. And man, that's something to celebrate this morning. I want to read you a quote from J.D. Greer's book about the battleship model of the church. He says this. The church in the battleship model is made for mission. And its success is seen and how loudly and dramatically it fights the mission in the battleship model. This is certainly, by the way, better than the cruise liner model. But however, it implies that the church institution does most of the fighting. The role of the church member is to pay the pastors to find the targets and to fire the guns each week as they gather to watch. And so really in the battleship model, the church institution, uh, the, the pastors and the church staff are the ones who go and who fight the battle, who do the work of the church, who do the, the work of the ministry. And the question is, is that exactly how God designed it? I want to just introduce you real quick. That picture is so funny, that little baby. Let me introduce you real quick to our staff. Let me see if I can find that. It may be a, here we go. Uh, these are our uh, leaders here at the church. Of course, uh, myself is the pastor, David and Zach and Aaron and Dominic and Trish. Uh, these are some of our full-time staff. And then we have some of our part-time staff who come alongside of us who I dearly love. I'm so grateful for our staff and our team. We got Ashley and Zach Stevens, Christian Haynes and Kayla and Justin Connor. And then we have our deacons here at the church and some of our lay elders. We have David and Clayton and Steve and, and Brian and Joey as some of our deacons. Joey, our sound guy back there, is actually our lead deacon here at Connect Church. And then some of our lay elders. These are guys who are gifted to be pastors, but that are not on, on, on payroll. They're not on staff. They help in advisory and accountability roles. But this is, this is our church staff. And you see, in the, in the battleship model, what happens in the church is we look at the pastors and the church staff and say, hey, listen, man, it is your job to do the ministry of the church. It is, it is your job to take out your task with the work of the church, right? In the battleship model, we leave it up to the pros. It's, it's their job to know the Bible, their job to save the lost. Their job to love the poor and the hurting. It's the pastor church staff's job to share the gospel and to reach people. And I want you to hear me. There are few myths and misconceptions more damaging in the life of the church today than that. There are few misconceptions, few myths that are more crippling, more destructive in the church today than this one. Now, i got to reshuffle my slides here because this is a really good picture here I want to show it to you. This is a, uh, a picture from back in the 1940s. And where you see these soldiers standing is on the USS Missouri. Now, it was nicknamed the Mighty Mo. That's a pretty good nickname, right? It's an Iowa-class sub. The last one commissioned in our armed services, in our armed forces. 
And I love the story behind the USS Missouri, this Iowa class, this most powerful class of battleships. You see, not only did it, did it serve in World War II, but it also served in the Korean War. And as recently as the, the Gulf War. Now, I, I pulled some stats about this battleship that's incredible. Watch this, you ready? That on this ship, there were nine huge 16-inch guns, 25-inch guns, 80 40-millimeter anti-aircraft guns, 49 20-millimeter anti-aircraft guns, and the mighty Moes, watch this, they had 16 50 caliber Mark 7 guns that fired 1,900 to 2,700 pound projectiles up to 24 miles away. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. That's a pretty impressive battleship. And what's amazing about it, not only was it the, the last battleship commissioned in our armed services and our armed forces, but perhaps... The USS Missouri, the Mighty Mo, is the most famous of all battleships ever commissioned. Its story is history. And what you're looking at here is that in 1945, this is a picture of the USS Missouri in Tokyo Bay. You can't see it, but here is the American military, our forces, our leaders. And there's the representatives of the Empire of Japan. And it was on the deck of the USS Missouri that the Japanese surrendered to the Allied forces as World War II was beginning to come to a close. But here's what's incredible about this famed, this historic, this incredible battleship. In 1992, it was decommissioned. It was sent to Pearl Harbor and to this very day, you know what it does? It serves as a museum. It no longer fights battles. It's a museum. In fact, I believe there's eight battleships still in existence in our armed forces. And all of them have been decommissioned. And all of them serve as museums. Not a one of them are commissioned in the fight anymore. Because you see, what happens are these battleships that are so impressive, so incredible of a force, were created to do battle in light of modern warfare. Even the USS Missouri, even that great battleship, is obsolete. You know, I got to thinking about the church. And I'm afraid churches will begin to go the way of the battleship if we adopt that model and that mentality in the church. The idea that ministry and the work of the church is only up to the pastors and the church staff. The churches will begin to go the way of the battleship in this day of modern spiritual warfare that churches will become Obsolete. There is a myth that is alive and well in the church today that believes God only calls a few elite Christians to do the work of the church, ministry, and missions. That only a few are called to the ministry of, of sharing the gospel or called to, to build his kingdom. And so here's my hopes. 
that through scripture this morning, we can do some myth busting together today. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to begin in verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. Now listen, Peter is addressing the church. And I want you to watch what he says here in verse 5 and verse 9. And here's what he writes to them. Here's their challenge. But you also, like living stones, watch this, are being built into a spiritual house. Hey, church, he's talking to to you, to me. He says this, to be a holy priesthood. By the way, that word holy is one of Paul's favorite or Peter's favorite way of referring to the church. And Paul's favorite ways of referring to you, the church. It's what's translated oftentimes, saint. That's how you're seen in the eyes of God. But you are to be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? This passage is oftentimes referred to as the priesthood of believers. And here's what it states, you ready? That every person who has been saved, every person who is in Christ, you ready? You are a priest and you are a minister of the gospel. You know, I think of what it is to be a priest and a minister of the gospel. And it isn't just the calling of a pastor to stand on some stage on Sundays. But it is the calling of every believer to leverage their lives to serve Jesus, to sacrifice for Jesus, to sing, and to shout the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at verse 9. But you are a chosen people. Hey, guys, by the way, he's not just talking about pastors and church staff. He's talking to the church. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I've heard it said this way, the first reformation that took place back in the 16th century under the lead of Martin Luther, in a sense the reason why we're not all Catholics here today, that first reformation gave the word of God back to the people. But we are in the midst of a second reformation, church, you ready? And in this reformation, we are giving ministry back to the people of God, to the church member. Well, then you say, well, what's your job then? You showed that picture of yourself and all the church staff. What's their job in all of this? Well, here's what Paul teaches church members in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, you can turn over there real quick. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He says this, so Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Watch this, you ready? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Hey, you ready? Catch hold of that. 
The callings of, of pastors and church staff are to equip the body, the church, you to serve Christ inside and outside of these walls. Our job is to build in you a heart for holiness, a heart for ministry, a heart for unity, a heart for the gospel, making disciples out of you so that in turn, you make disciples of Jesus out of other people. You ready here at Connect Church? We are disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Hear me. You in Christ are priests and ministers of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, did you know that there are many ministries that exist here in Sevier County that are not church institutions? Rather, they are the church initiating and engaging ministry, owning ministry here in Sevier County. Uh, we celebrate Isaiah House a whole lot. Mallory over here is on staff with Isaiah House, and they're not a church institution per se with a pastor and staff. Rather, it's the church initiating and engaging and empowering ministry. Because you know what, Mallory, at the end of the day, you're a priest. You're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not a church institution necessarily. I think back to our women's ministry event. And uh, Jennifer Jones spoke and her and her family have been attending here at Connect Church. Man, we love them. And she talked about a ministry she started back in 2014. When she had caught wind that when moms give birth to babies who are stillborn. Babies will never go home from the hospital. That oftentimes, what the hospitals will do is just wrap those children up in a washcloth and give them to their parents. And Jennifer Jones, hearing that, and wanted to be used to God, and felt the calling of God to make a difference there. And so what she did was she started taking donations of, of wedding gowns. And her, her team would take those donations in and, and they would begin to, uh, to work with those gowns and to make from those gowns burial gowns for these, these children who would never go home from the hospital so that their moms and dads can hold them. The burial ground. Her, her ministry is called Angel Wings Ministry. Check them out. And you know what? She's in over 50 hospitals right now. Hospitals call her when there's a child who dies. The hospitals call them. And they send over these burial gowns. And they're, they're now on the, the cusp of going international. You know what's amazing about Jennifer? She's not a pastor here. She's not on the church staff. But she's a priest and a minister of the gospel. Not necessarily the church institution, but her, the church, initiating and engaging in the very ministry that God has given her a heart and a passion for. I love it. I look across from Chelsea. You have an incredible ladies' Bible study that you, you lead and you teach. Hey, hey, guys, hear me. I love the church. 
I love our pastors. I love our staff. But we're missing it if we think it's only our job to do the work of the ministry, to be the only ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I got to thinking that there's so many of you that are owning and leading ministry in our community. You don't bear the title of pastor or church staff. But you are, you're leading ministry out there. Ministry is not run by an institution, but ministry is initiated, envisioned, and empowered by you, the church. And it's a reminder of this, you ready? That not just some of us are called, but every person in Christ is called to join him as priests and ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me just run down some stuff we learned in this book. You ready? Luke teaches us that the first time the gospel left Jerusalem, it wasn't in the mouth of the apostles, but in the mouth of church members in Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. Think of it. The first time the gospel left Jerusalem in Acts, not a single apostle was involved. Philip, a church member, took the first international mission trip in history to Africa. The church at Antioch, which was ground zero for missions in the second part of the book of Acts. It wasn't started by an apostle, but by, as Luke refers to them as some brothers in Christ. Not pastors, believers. Apollos, a church member, was the first one to take the gospel to Ephesus. And again, unnamed brothers started the church in, the Rome, in Rome. You go, man, how is it that the church and the gospel wound up in the epicenter of the world at that time in Rome? You ready? Through normal relocations that come through business and life as everyday believers took the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ with them. You ready? The point is, that in the early days of the church, ministry and the spread of the gospel didn't happen solely or mostly through pastors and church staff, but in the mouths and through the work of everyday church members like you. You know, the English word vocation is borrowed from the Latin, voca, which in a sense, talks to your vocation, right? That's what you do. That's what you're passionate about. That's what you do for, the li for, for a living. The word voca in the Latin means calling. And what's amazing, whether it's the early church or the reformers or scripture's view of your vocation, whether secular, meaning outside of the church, or sacred, meaning inside the church, no matter your vocation, all of church history and all of scripture reminds us that it is your calling from God and it serves as a mission field to serve him. You see, serving Jesus at work is about harnessing your work either on the job, in school, wherever you're at. Harnessing your work and your work ethic for the glory of God and to the good of the people around you. You ready? Leveraging your relationships to make disciples of Jesus as you do everyday life with people. Now listen, he also mentions in the book, we don't get, 
We don't get overboard with that, right? When we say, hey, serve Jesus in and through your business, we don't open hair salons necessarily and call it a cut above, right? We don't open coffee shops called Hebrews or, or St. Arbucks and just try to Christianize everything. But we don't have enforced awkward conversations like if you're selling life insurance. Hey, now that I've set you up with life insurance, have you thought about life after death insurance? It's not about forcing awkward moments. It's about the great commission and in your going and in your doing. Pointing people to Jesus. Loving and serving them. Engaging them with gospel conversations. I've heard it said this way, wherever God has gifted you, do what you're good at and do it for his glory and do it somewhere strategic to his mission to save the world. I remember years ago, forgive me, I'm going to have to go back here to show this, running across the story of Timothy Stack. He's a firefighter in, in New York City. And a good one at that. In 1998, he was fighting a fire and he was severely burned. The type of injury where he could retire comfortably for the rest of his life. But hey, for old Timothy, he couldn't do it. You see, he saw his firefighting as a calling of God to do everything he can to save people. And so as soon as medically possible, old Timothy here got back in the line of working as a firefighter. And listen, his family and friends told him, don't do it. Retire. You're going to retire. Well, don't do it. But he couldn't get past his passion and his calling. Well, you see, in the next couple of years, Timothy was promoted to captain there in New York City of his fire station. And the call came in that a couple of planes had hit the World Trade Center. And Timothy, as captain, without hesitancy, took his crew up into the second tower. Some of the first on the scene and we're in that tower when it collapsed. Taking his life and the life of those other brave firefighters and so many countless Americans. You know what's amazing about his story? Is that when he could have quit, he didn't. Because you see, he saw his vocation, his work as a calling from God. Hey, let me ask you something, business owner. In Christ, when is it that you're going to see that God has gifted you, that God has blessed you with a business? You ready? To build his kingdom, not your own. Hey, when is it that you're going to see that God has positioned you and placed you in your job or in your school? Not just to survive, but to thrive as priests and ministers of the gospel. Timothy's calling was to save people. All of us have that very same calling in Christ. 
to serve on the front lines. And hear me, the front lines aren't in this building on Sundays. To serve on the front lines all across this community in our homes, in our places of business, in our schools. To serve on the front lines and to join God in his mission to save the world. To save people. So whether you're a firefighter, a financial secretary, a fisherman, a Fortune 500 CEO, or whether you flip burgers at Burger King, if Jesus has saved you, you are his church, and your calling is to leverage your life, your family, your vocation, and his mission to save the world. You may sit back and go, and all I see myself today is just an ordinary believer in Jesus. Oh, if that's you, if you see yourself today as just an ordinary believer, realize that God has placed you in an extraordinary position to be used by him. You see, it's not all about, and it's not mostly about pastors and church staff. See, David Livingston, and many years ago, a brilliant physician, not a pastor, an intellectual man, a physician, sensed that God was calling him to take the gospel to Africa, where he would spend many years of his life, where he would walk over 29,000 miles to bring the gospel to the African people. Early on in his ministry, following where God would lead him, his precious wife died. As I'm going to tell you, for a man to lose his wife is to lose his whole world. And here he was serving the Lord and she's gone. Uh, not only that, in his homeland, man, his Scottish brethren in Christ, man, his church, he faced fierce opposition if you can imagine such a thing, for taking the gospel into Africa. Here was a physician, not a pastor, a pioneer in, in, in missions, not on the church staff necessarily. And yet God had given him a heart and a calling to take the gospel, to be one of the first to do so in Africa in that time. Well, he wrote down these following words in his diary one day. And talk about what it means to take a look at a battleship mentality where we just leave it up to the pastors and the church staff to do the work of the ministry. He didn't buy into that. In fact, here's what he jotted down in his diary. Send me anywhere, Lord. Only go with me. Lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. Sever me from any tie. 
but the tie that binds me to your service and your heart. Oh, to God, that this would be the prayer of every church member here at Connect Church and in every church across this community. God, send me anywhere. Only go with me. Lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. And sever me from any tie. But the tie that binds me to your service into your, in your heart. Hey, can I, can I bring that into this sermon series? You ready? Lord, sink my battleship. Sink. Sink my battleship that wants me to buy into the myth and the misconception that the work of his kingdom, the work of ministry, belongs only to pastors and a church staff. Lord, sink my battleship. Send me anywhere, but you got to go with me. Put any burden on me, but you sustain me, Lord. You sever, you break any tie, but the tie that binds me to your service into your heart. Chuck Swindoll would write it this way. Yes, you may feel unqualified, uneducated, untrained, undergifted, or even unworthy. Yet those are excellent qualifications for God to do a mighty work in and through you. Lord, sink battleship today. You know, I get to thinking about Sevier County where God has, has planted our hearts and our lives for this season. And you know what's amazing? If Connect Church embraces and adopts this battleship mentality where it's really only up to the pastors and the staff, you know what we'll only ever deal with? Addition. And here's what I mean. From here to there, someone will place their faith and trust in Jesus. And we celebrate that every Sunday and almost every Wednesday night, somebody does. You know what? We'll add some people who've given their heart and their life to Jesus. And we'll add some disciples here and there. But I'm telling you, in a battleship mentality, all we'll ever deal with is addition. But if we ask the Lord to sink our battleship, church, hear me we will start seeing what we saw flashes of in the book of Acts in the New Testament. You ready? God dealing with us in multiplication. Multiplication of those who give their hearts and their lives to Jesus. Multiplication of ministries in our community that will love lost people, that will love hurting people, that will make a difference outside the walls of this building and build his kingdom in our community. And so church, you ready? May our prayer be this morning. Lord, sink my battleship. 
Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.